Paul Stork to the basket. Nice. For the Great rip and go. He was able to use Jeremiah's momentum against him to get by him and get to the basket. 36-18, Illinois. Frazier backs away on the dribble, guarded by Barnett. Now pulls up for three. Got it. Trent Frazier with a three. Fifth to Black in the paint with a baby hook. Over Tillman, he put it up and in. Five, four, three. Harris with a slam with two. Doesn't matter. 70-64. The Illini are going to win it again. Oh, yeah. There you go. Led by Trent Frazier with 22. And the Illini have defeated Missouri for the fifth straight year. It's time for Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll get you caught up on your Illini sports news along with other area national sports news. Here are Lauren Tate and Michael Kaiser. Good Saturday morning, 11 degrees at 9.01. Thanks for joining us. So if you're staying inside today, it's going to be a frigid weekend in store for the area after more snow yesterday. Uh, you don't need to be outside. No reason to go out there in, the, in these conditions this weekend to stay in. And we'll, we'll keep you uh, going here the next couple of hours. Uh, plenty to get to. Uh, plenty of college football action. The Big Ten looking good so far in, the, in bowl games. And uh, plenty of Illini basketball conversation as well as they get their back in action after, after having a week off. Take on Grand Canyon later on this afternoon at State Farm, Farm Center returning home for the first time. And uh, I think since December 13th, so good to have the Illini back in town. Lauren Tate, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I think it's unusual to have the Big Ten off to a 5-0 start in bowl games. <laughs> I can recall years where uh, <laughs> sub-500 was more like it. Yeah, it's 5-0 uh, and right now, like I mentioned. Uh, conversely, the Pac-12, 1-7. and And the Big Ten isn't that bad, but usually they get off to a slow start. And But uh, beating Pac-12 schools like a USC, that's a really good win for the Buckeyes last night. Uh, really dominated that game. Uh, the caused four turnovers one led to a pick six the other one led to another touchdown pretty quickly thereafter and what did it mean for Sam Darnold um he didn't look great last night uh he turned the ball over I mean they got to him they caused some fumbles with him and he's had he's had turnover problem all his career yeah he had I think before last night's game I saw a stat somewhere I think he had 20 turnovers this Uh season yeah that's uh that's a lot for a quarterback, that's not. That's yeah, a lot for a guy being the number one draft pick. <laughs> but he's got an arm, and uh, you know I looked up oh, his yeah. stats, but he he's got an arm. I I saw that arm last night. Whether he completed him or not is irrelevant. I think the Ohio State's defense did a great job against him. He really got the ball down the field. Well, he made some bad passes. Too. Oh yeah, he I don't mean did. just the interception where the where the safety cut in front, but I mean some of. I think the rush really got to him. Yeah, I think it. I think it rattled him a little bit, and he just did not handle it well. And the Buckeyes. You weren't sure how the Buckeyes were going to come out of that out in that game. Uh, they obviously wanted to be in the playoffs. They didn't get in the playoffs. They're ranked fifth in the country, so they finished just out of the top four. And you know, were they just going to go in there and go through the motions, or were they going to prove that they tried that they should have been in the playoffs? I don't know if they you know made that point or not. Um, well, but when you lose by thirty-one points and give up 51, 55 points to Iowa. Yeah. You don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Right. Now, well, Georgia lost by almost 30 points. I mean, and they're in the playoffs. Yeah, but they didn't lose twice. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a really big point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you lose twice, you're probably not going to be in the playoffs. That'll be most of the time. Yeah. And um, Ohio State also lost to Oklahoma at home. Mm-hmm. And if they win that game, the Buckeyes, the Buckeyes are in the playoffs, and we're not having this conversation. That's right. But they didn't play yesterday in the Cotton Bowl. Yep. And, yep. Uh, but. They played well. The Big Ten is looking boy, good. Boy, oh boy, is that off defensive line good for Ohio oh, State? I mean, how oh. good are they? 
very, I very mean, just good. fantastic. Illinois found out firsthand several weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean, they, a month and a half they ago. just go around those big blockers, and, and they're so powerful and so quick. I mean, they're just in another class, I think. From a, But, I again, you can come back to the Iowa game, and I don't know what happened. Just one of the weirdest uh, – I think uh, Tim May or somebody said that – no, it was, it was Hardy from uh, Iowa said – in 25 years of covering sports, that's the oddest game he's ever seen. That's the one he can't explain. <laughs> Nobody has ever explained that game to me no. satisfactorily. It's not explainable. Um, that Just the Hawkeyes don't score 50 points, and they turn around and did it against Nebraska. The Hawkeyes just don't normally score 50 points. It's just not something they do, no. especially against competition like that. No, and the Hawkeyes almost beat Penn State this year. Had another great season, so the Hawkeyes are very capable of beating the Buckeyes. But that was we. I watched that game on the way back. Um, I forget where Illinois was that weekend, but I was riding back and and I was watching the game, and I just could not believe we what I was seeing. We keep saying that Illinois is in great shape because they're in the West, and it, it doesn't take that much, you know, to get up and and win the Western Division. Well. <laughs> Northwestern just won their, what, their eighth in a row? I don't know how many. They won ten games this eight season. Eight in a row, yep. And uh, Iowa certainly performed well. Uh, I think we all know what Wisconsin is. I don't know what Minnesota is, but they're having a good recruiting year, and they, they defeated Illinois this year. And I, I don't know where we think we're gaining on anybody in the, in the division, in the division. Well, we're going to have uh, Tom Deanhart on in about five minutes, senior writer for Big Ten, uh, btn.com. Get his thoughts on the Big Ten performance so far. Get his thoughts on what Lauren just mentioned. Uh, can the Illini climb up in the West with the way the West is looking right now? I'm not sure that that's going to take place at least anytime soon. Later in the program, we'll have on Derek Piper of IlliniInquire.com. He's going to be in studio. Good to have him in studio. Uh, we'll talk about Illini recruiting, talk about Illini basketball, especially the game against Grand Canyon today. What has he seen in growth from the Illini this season so far? Uh, it's going to be a process with the, the players starting to figure things out uh, with with the offense. Plenty of uh, news to get to today. Uh, we, we mentioned uh, some of the college football games yesterday, plenty of bowl games. Uh, the Big Ten has two more today. As I mentioned, Penn State taking on uh, number nine, Penn State taking on number 11, Washington in the Fiesta Bowl, and number six, Wisconsin playing number 10, Miami in the Orange Bowl. Only one more Big Ten bowl game after that, and that will be on Monday. And, uh, and so that's we'll take the time out here coming up in just a few minutes. Tom Deanhart of BTN.com is going to join us. Uh, hopefully uh, get at his thoughts on where he thinks Illinois needs to go with the offensive coordinator position. And, Lauren, I want to ask him, and you and I talked about this a little bit uh, briefly anyway, um, what do they have to gain by making the change, Illinois, the offensive coordinator position, in terms of the offense? It's really not going to be any better next year. You don't have a quarterback that you know is going to be very successful, and if you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to look good on offense. I mean, that's that's just obvious. So Well, what, I, I made the point earlier that if you've got four freshmen in the offensive line, a mm -hmm. freshman tight end, a freshman receiver in Smalling, a freshman running back or two, and a freshman quarterback, you're playing with a JV team. Yeah. That's, that's what used to be the JV team. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I, I'm not uh, suggesting that – that Garrick McGee had took the right approach. I don't know, but they decided this was a, a command decision from on top that they were going to go with the younger guys to build them up and get them ready for the future. And it cost McGee his job. But there's more to the McGee thing than, than meets the eye. He, had, he got sideways with, uh, I think, with Butkus. Everybody knows that. 
Butkus being uh, Luke Butkus being his line coach, and that's difficult. The difficult thing is when a coach comes in and hires all the coaches, assistant coaches, and hires a, an offensive coordinator over coaches that the offensive coordinator didn't hire. You yeah. see what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. If you analyze it, it's pretty much two teams out there. There's a defensive team that's run by mainly by Lovey, and there's an offensive team that's, that's run by McGee, and they're kind of separate. Lovey doesn't have much to say about the offense, although he did have over he could overrule anything. But, well, sure. But on but on a play by play, you know, as they went along, I mean, these are all McGee decisions, and it was McGee, McGee decisions uh, to put all those freshmen in the offensive line, which virtually eliminates any chance to be successful, in my opinion. If you put four freshmen in the offensive line, that's asking too much. Uh, Lauren, that's not an opinion; that's a fact. Well, maybe <laughs> it may be. In, in the Big Ten, this isn't high school football. This isn't, uh, you know, FCS, no slot against FCS. But if you don't have experienced guys, Larry Boyd is, is a, a massive, massive man. If you had one guy like Boyd in the, in the offensive line, that's fine. Yeah. You can work around one guy. When you got four, that's a whole other story. Well, what I'm getting is like you, they have big guys on the offensive yeah. line, but the experience isn't yeah. there and oh, the yeah. strength isn't there. They haven't had – you know, some of these guys only had a summer before training camp started, let alone a full offseason, which they're going to get now. We'll take a timeout. We'll get Tom Deanhart's thought on, thoughts on that and, and more coming up next on DWS. USC is outstanding, especially their defense played so well today. And uh, they were blitzing and they were changing things up, and we didn't play as well on offensively. But uh, their quarterback is as good as advertised. However, our defensive line uh, really dominated the game with eight sacks and so it was a great win for Ohio State. We'll be a top five team, uh, Big Ten champs. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. He's Lauren Tate. I'm Michael Kaiser. Thanks for joining us on this frigid, snowy Saturday morning. Uh, not snowing today, but the temperatures are going to be very cold. Uh, headed for a high today of around, you know, actually we're probably at today's high. Temperatures are supposed to fall throughout the day. Wind chills below zero, so be careful if you go out today. Uh, it's going to be that way the next several days. New Year's Day, Lauren, the high is going to be minus one. One degree below zero is the not high. Not where I'm going to be. Where I'm, are you going to be? I'm going to be inside. <laughs> <laughs> thought you were going to be somewhere tropical. I was like, where's my no, invite? No. Yeah, uh, so wait to get Tom Deanhart. Hopefully, get uh, Tom Deanhart of the Big Ten Network. Get his thoughts on the Illini offensive coordinator search. Get his thoughts on the Big Ten performance and bowl games so far. That was Urban Meyer uh, after the victory last night over USC, twenty-four to seven. The Buckeyes get the win over Sam Darnold, who is one of the more respected quarterbacks across the country. But he did not look good last night and, and against the Buckeyes. Threw a pick six, fumbled uh, a couple of times, and the, the Buckeyes defense uh, got to, well, he fumbled once for sure, and uh, the Buckeyes defense really got to him the defensive line so uh one game i wanted to talk to talk to him about was the northwestern game we'll get into that a little bit later but lauren we'll continue the the garrick mcgee conversation and i just don't know there's any number of names that we could bring up for potential candidates and there, to me that's kind of a fruitless effort because we have no idea what Lovey's no thinking. Idea because uh what we see is that lovey has fallen back repeatedly well, I shouldn't say repeatedly that when he when he named his staff, he went very much toward the pro players. He did keep Williams, uh, who which uh, was on the Cuban staff, but then now he's let Williams go. They have three openings because they they have two openings plus the the addition of a coach. Yep. And I th I would think that Nathan Shieldhouse, who's on the staff but he's not on the coaching staff, might get 
one of those jobs. I, I mean, he was over there uh, the other day when we had the press conference with Lovey, and he seems to be still close to Lovey, whether or not he'd be the one of those guys named. I don't know. A couple of guys that uh, I don't know who, uh, as far as the coordinator is concerned, I'm going to beg off on that because I have no idea. I, of course, I, I'd love to see him bring on Ron Turner, but I don't know how that will be accepted uh, entirely. Yeah, I, I want to stop you right there. Um, you and I exchanged a couple of texts about that on Saturday afternoon. Why do you think that is the right move? Put aside the relationship that those two have had together, that they worked well, together before. I think before. the relationship is important. But I don't know if that makes it the right move for this program, for this off, for the offense they need, because Ron Turner runs a different offense than the kind of quarterbacks that Illinois has on this, going to have on this roster, with Cam Thomas already here, MJ Rivers coming mm-hmm. in, Corin Taylor maybe. We'll see how that goes. So he runs a completely different offense. Um, obviously. I mean, He's going to have to recruit on some level. He's just not going well, to not recruit at all. Going to, they're not going to go into a full option offense. That that isn't that. That's right. not even the plan. I mean, they're they're going to have the quarterback run a lot. Well, there's no problem with that. Ron can work that out. Sure. I mean, he he knows how to, you know, to, to do the uh, the fake handoff and the quarterback well, run yeah. the other direction. I mean, but the thing that I'm thinking about is I don't know of any coach that would be better for Cam Thomas in terms of teaching him how to throw the ball down the field and how to read down the field. Uh, now, I know that a lot of people are going to say, oh, no, not Ron Turner mm-hmm. because he was here and, and he was fired. Uh, but I'm not hiring him to recruit if I hire him. I, I mean, he's at retirement age. He may retire at the end of this year. If Illinois offers him a job, he'd probably come back here. He loves it in, in Illinois. Sure. He's got a great personality. He really knows the passing game. And so, I mean, I think he would be a decent choice. Now, on the other hand, Lovey may have entirely different ideas, and that's fine. I just throw it out because it's a, it's a, a, a name we've been talking about for about a month. I mean, since, uh, you know, way back when I talked to his uh, agent who said that, actually his attorney, who said that, uh, m- you know, maybe he might be interested if everything was uh, if it worked out that way, I would I would agree with you to the standpoint in terms of uh, his ability to be able to help Cam with with throwing the ball down the field and reading defenses because those are two big areas. If Cam is going to be successful on any level, he's going to have to work on. It. He's a freshman; it's totally fine. I mean, it, what we saw from Cam Thomas Cam Thomas's inability to read defenses and throw the ball down the field without turning it over is expected from a freshman coming from a high school where he had no one around him to help him win games his last his senior year in high school. So this is the first time really he's he's had to be in this kind of environment and it takes time to learn you know that I don't know if hardly any quarterbacks except the really really superstar level high school quarterbacks coming to college they're going to be really good your freshman year so I agree from that standpoint I just don't know if that's the right move might uh, not be I mean there's a, there's certain a, a position on the other side of it uh, I don't have another name just to be clear if, like if we bring in somebody who's wildly successful as an offensive coordinator he's gone after one year if we bring in somebody who is wildly unsuccessful, then you're sorry you got him. You, you can't. It's a no-win situation. With with Turner, uh, he's a guy that's not going to leave here if he comes and, and until he retires. Well, and and the thing is, again, I'll go back to what I said before the break. The offense, I'm sure you would agree with, and you've said before, like it's not going to be good next year unless something dramatically changes, unless Cam Thomas. Uh, figures it out unless MJ Rivers is the starter and he has an amazing freshman well, season. You're, you're bringing it all on the quarterback. I, that, that's no. just just a very Lord. If the quarterback isn't good, you're not your offense isn't going to be well, good. I, I just if your offensive line isn't any good, you're not going to be. Any well, good. that's where it starts. Of course, we also agree well, that's there. That's where I start. That's yeah, and so what, then that's that's going to that is the offense. Sophomores next year is the offensive going to be young exactly. So 
are you expecting, as I kind of am expecting, still issues with the offensive line in terms sure. of getting it done? So yes. then the offensive line isn't going to be where it's going to be because I think those guys are going to be good. Palcheski, Boyd, just name a couple of those guys. I think they're going to be good. But then so your offensive line is going to have issues. Your quarterback isn't expected to be great because of the inexperience. So your offense, I don't care who the running back is, if those two things are not good, you're in trouble. So why make the change and still have offensive problems? Now, granted, McGee could have done some different things like some more screen passes and things like that. I think Kendrick Foster should have played more. There's no yeah, doubt in my mind. This was a personality thing. That's, that, that's why... This wasn't about him calling the wrong plays. This is called... This is, had to do with the fact that he had was sideways with Allegretti, sideways with DeCorey, DeLauro, and uh, had the players uh, were and didn't like him. And, and that's, that's the problem. I think that's where, um, that's why the change makes more sense. And the other thing was that you had, he, he didn't work perfectly with Butkus, and Butkus' roommate in college was who? Josh Whitman. And so mm-hmm. right from the top, yeah. Whitman is getting information from Butkus, undoubtedly, and I don't know, I didn't hear it, and I don't really know for sure that I'm accurate in this, but I think I'm accurate, and I'm mm. being told that I'm accurate, that, uh, that Whitman was been made aware by several people, including Butkus, that, that the McGee wasn't the right guy. Now, McGee, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know uh, that anybody could have succeeded offensively for Illinois as, mm-hmm. as the offensive court. I'm not saying that anybody could have done it. But um, McGee wound up with some guys uh, against him and working against him through the athletic director and the head coach. And, that, and, that, and that, that's, that's, that's the issue there. I think we'll have to see. Uh, could there be improvement in the offensive next, offense next year? Of course there could be. I just don't see it because of the issues we just mentioned. Well, uh, I now, I, Mike I, Epstein down, go down hurt the offense, too. I, I want to make that clear. That, that hurt the offense because I think he's – a really talented running back who had a really good start to his freshman season. Now, he really wasn't deep into Big Ten play, so maybe they would have slowed him down. I haven't, we don't know that. But I think he's very talented, and I have, I've yet to meet a person who doesn't agree with that assessment. And so losing him also hurt the offense on top of the other things that we mentioned. So I'm anxious to see what a healthy Mike Epstein next season could bring to this offense. Well, certainly I, I – I don't necessarily think that uh, it made that much difference, but no, I, just, I mean not, I, not the I, overall offense. You can't offense. get me past the offensive line. If you, if you can talk about all you want, you can talk about how good Smalling's going to be. You can talk about Dudek being back. You can talk about Dorsey being a great. T- I don't care about any of it. If you don't have an offensive line, you can't be successful, and those defensive lines will tear us up. That's what will happen, and they've been doing it, and that's why we lose by double figures. Lauren, we're agreeing too much on the show this morning. I mean, I, I don't. I, I agree with you. I don't know why we're talking about any other position but offensive line, and then of course defensive line is just as important. And, and I think those issues are going to have to get better for this team to compete in the Big Ten uh, at, at really any uh, part of the Big Ten. You can give us a call. Give us your thoughts. Three five six nine three nine seven. Texas on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line three five one five three five seven. Uh, listen live at WDWS.com. As always, email us at talk at, WD, talk at WDWS.com. And as always, a podcast of this show and others are on iTunes, uh, as always. So be sure to, to go to that site. Well, again, uh, the Big Ten 5-0 and in uh, bowl games so far uh, this season. A 618 area code texter on the Castle Heating Cooling text line. The next offensive coordinator should be closer to a Gus Malzahn type than a USC type. 
Um, yeah, USC's offense struggled last night, and uh, so I'm, I guess I can see that. <laughs> well, uh, they didn't struggle all season. They no, they didn't. Superior talent. Yeah, yes. when you're playing Ohio State, your offense isn't going to look very good. Well, hopefully we'll still get Tom Deanhart this morning. We'll give him a try again a, a little bit later in the program. Uh, coming up, I uh, want to talk to you about something Wake Forest. Uh, you normally, normally don't need to talk about Wake Forest on this program. Something Wake Forest did yesterday will have some relevance uh, to here at Illinois. We'll tell you about that coming up next. This is Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. I'm not sure words can describe that game. Uh, wow, what a great job by our young men. We had to persevere through so much. Uh, and, and the guys are the reason why we won. They persevered, they fought, they battled. And it was, I think, kind of indicative of the season. We had to fight through a lot this year. Uh, to get in the 10-win club again, it's now 2012, 2015, 2017. It's three out of the last six years. First time being back-to-back both champions in this 27 wins over these last three years is the best run that we've had in program history. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. That is Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach of the Northwestern Wildcats after their wild win yesterday. Very interesting finish to that game. We'll break that down in just a moment. Lauren Tate, Michael Kaiser with you. Give us a call this morning, 356-9397. Text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 351-5357. Give us your thoughts about the, the bowl game so far. Have you even watched any bowl games? Like yesterday was the first time I sat down and watched a bowl game. Because until you get to this weekend, and you got to get back in the mode, football to, mode. You've been in basketball mode. Well, it's not. It's not. That's a great point, but it's not even that. Like I don't care about bowl games until we get to the ones that are the higher. Oh, sure. Not not even the playoffs. I care about when the Rose Bowl isn't a playoff game. Like I care about that game because it's the Rose Bowl. Yeah. You know, I care about the Sugar Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl and the Orange Bowl, the Cotton Bowl. Those are the, the long-time bowl games that have been around for a long time, especially the Rose Bowl, of course. Uh, I don't care about the Independence Bowl. The There's a bowl called the Walk-On something, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Is that for walk-ons? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, no offense to walk-ons. Clayton uh, Fegelum is you know in the NFL right now as a walk-on here at the University of Illinois. And the thing is, they just don't matter. and They matter to the teams and the fans and, th- and their families. That's it. I got to ask you because it's bugging me, the Kentucky decision. Yeah, that's what. And I, the official Chris Coit threw out, ejected Benny Snell. Mm-hmm. Benny Snell got smeared by a bunch of tacklers from Northwestern. He's on the, on the on the field down, and as he's starting to get up, the official is hovering over him, reaches his arms out. He declines apparently because the officials later said in, uh, in by a pool report told a pool reporter that he declined his arms. And he yep. threw him out of the game. The uh, Snell for Kentucky, if you haven't seen the highlight, go check it out. He basically swiped away the ref's hands. He was frustrated. He got up. He's like, don't help me up. Like, Now, could he have handled that differently? Of oh, course. Yeah. But there is no way a flag should be thrown for unsportsmanlike conduct. There's no way you should be thrown out of a game. That is absolutely ridiculous. That official should be thrown out. <laughs> he should be barred from working any more games for a month or at least. Well, the season's over. He's yeah, probably done. The, 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 well, the th- first month of next year. The season. thing is, there was I believe I saw on the, the game clock, there was 12.56 to play yeah. in the second quarter. So this guy was on the field for however long his defense was on the field. But he played just over a quarter. He was involved in just over a quarter of the game. And he got ejected 
for making contact with the official, which the official initiated the contact. Now, if he would have pushed the official away, like physically pushed his whole body away, he didn't. He, I said if he would have done that, then I could see this. But he, the official had touched him, and he's like he was frustrated or whatever he was. I have no idea. wasn't in his mind, and he just swiped his hands away. That's it. If you want to throw a fifteen-yard penalty for that because he did touch you, that's fine. I, even though no, that's still questionable. But to eject him for that is just mind blowing. Just a horrendous call. And well, and and I know, and you know, I talked about a different incident in that game, and, and targeting happens every game. Listen, targeting the way that rule is handled, the ejection portion of that rule, and I, I don't have a problem saying this. It's the dumbest rule in football at any level. You should not be ejected for using your helmet incidentally like happened yesterday and i don't think the helmets even made contact like if you there is to me it's obvious i've watched a lot of football i did not play football i can tell when it's a dirty play when someone is is trying to take someone out and a dirty play it's pretty clear but all the targeting plays that we've seen with illinois this year some some of them deserved uh, to be called just throw the flag and be done with it because the ejections you're ejecting a kid from a game for a play that may not even be his fault. When the receiver That's catches, right. and when the receiver catches the ball, and this is key, and all ball carriers duck. When they exactly, and people mention this, and and you know, NCAA officials aren't getting it. I don't mean the officials on the field. I mean the officials that make the rules. Like when a running back ducks, when a receiver ducks, like what do you want the defensive player to do? Because he's already trying to go down to make sure the helmets don't collide. Now you shouldn't leave with your helmet. I get it. But there's no reason to eject a player unless it is a clear, dirty hit. It just makes no sense to me. I've never understood the rule. And then guys are missing. If it happens in the second half, they're missing half of the next game. I mean, what are, we, what are they trying to accomplish here? Because it's obviously not working. I know they're trying to protect from head injuries and concussions and the like. And I'm going to get off my soapbox in just a minute. But every game, this drives me crazy. And this happened in Northwestern yesterday. I don't remember how much is left in the game. There's no way Patty Fisher should be ejected from that game yesterday. I thought both of them happened in the first half. Yeah, I, I think you're correct. Northwestern I, still won the game. But there's no way that that should happen. I Absolutely. Snell was even earlier than you said. I didn't realize it was that late in the yeah. game. Yeah, well, it was 12.56 to go in the second quarter. So, I mean, we're just into the second quarter. Two minutes into the second quarter. And he's their best ball carrier. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just can't believe that uh, the target but rules. How, mean, how many games has Northwestern won that were in the oh, in the balance? I mean, they won two. Was it two overtime games? Yeah, I think so. And then they and they and uh, that was the same as an overtime game. They just, Kentucky just decided they weren't going to go overtime. They're just going to win it, right, win it or lose it right there. What do you What do you think about that call to do that? I would kick the extra point and try to beat them in overtime. The only I, but I don't know the circumstances of. The, the injuries, that sort of thing. Um, the odds on on making that extra point are just slightly below fifty percent, aren't they? Um, I don't I don't have the college football wide numbers, well, but I mean you I, you make a little you I think on on average you make a, a little bit fewer than fifty percent of your extra points when you run or pass. Yeah, and you get about ninety some percent when you kick it. I'm okay with going. But you're only going it. for a tie if you kick it, and you realize that uh, Northwestern is really good in overtime. <laughs> Did you see that they scored? They they had five overtime periods, and they scored a touchdown all five. Yeah, that's that's really that's hard to really do. good. <laughs> they start the 25 yard line. It uh, that helps you a lot. I I'm okay with going for two there and going for the win because Kentucky really had. No, 
no business having a chance to win that game. Northwestern, I guess Kentucky still could have gone down and scored, but Northwestern, that late in the game, when you're winning, going for it on fourth and one in your own territory. Well, 40-yard 40, 40 line. It, it, that's I know that's close to midfield, but that is such a short field to give your opponent if it you're is. winning. And I if thought he should have punted, but uh, I, well, I think there's no question. I, I, I tell punted. you what, uh, if you watch him all season long, if that's his policy, if that, that's what he's going to do, Notre Dame does some of the same things. They they, they just believe they they're going to go for it, and if you can stop them, then you're going to have an advantage. Well, and that's what Pat Fitzgerald has done all year. He's gone for it on fourth down all year long, and that's kind of been his mo. And and uh, I'm trying to pull up the stats and the num- number of times that they've gone for it on fourth down. And you know when they, Northwestern was here this season. I saw that stat and because they went for it against Illinois, and it's an ungodly high number well, of I times. I'll tell you one thing: they have no idea where that quarterback was under that pile. That was a guess. That was a guess. Oh yeah, it has to be. I, I mean, mean, I mean, he missed by six inches or whatever it was, but he he could have made it for all we know. Yeah, I mean, there's just no way to tell where somebody is under a pile like that and have the perfect camera angle. Uh, it's that's that's really hard the to only do. The perfect camera angle would be under the ground, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shooting With, up. Yeah, shooting it, up and going like through the turf. Tables, uh. Yeah. Well, I mentioned this before the break, and uh, again, you can join the program today three five six nine three nine seven. Text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line three five one five three five seven. I mentioned before the break, uh, Wake Forest, um, and something they they did yesterday. What Wake Forest. Here it is, right? Fourth down conversions right here for Northwestern. I finally just loaded. The computer is slow this morning. 22 of 39. They went for fourth down, went for it on fourth down 39 times this year. That is more than they played 13 games, so that's three times a game. I think they was, yeah, they're 10 and 3 this year. Second time in pro, they've won 10 games back to back seasons. They've won 10 games back to back years. And they've and they've that's three times in the last five or six years. So it's just an incredible performance by them to to win ten games. But the but anyway, Northwestern twenty two for thirty nine on fourth down, and that's just what Pat Fitzgerald has, has done all year. He gambled there, almost lost. If they get the two point conversion, boy, he's getting he's getting roasted for that. But he won the game and he gets away with it. Back. He's getting roasted. Is there any way? Fitzgerald off what he's done at Northwestern. Oh no no no! Would be roasted by anybody with any sense at all. Well, I mean, I'm on if the call. If you roasted him, you're so stupid that you. Wouldn't I meant matter. on the fourth down. <laughs> no, the fourth down call. If they lose the game, he absolutely deserves to be criticized for that. Absolutely. If you lose the game because you go for it on fourth down on your own territory late in the game when you're only up six points. I wish we had him. No. Oh, oh no, no, go, no. He can go oh, for no. fourth down on the 40-yard line every time. You, you're misunderstanding me. I think no, he's I'm a, not. I, no. don't, I don't have any problem with what he did. No, I, I, think he's a, I think he's a great coach. He's won a lot of games there at a program that you wouldn't expect that to happen. I just think it's too risky for a game that you, you want to win and you're in your own so territory. you're going to pick out one play out of the whole game. No. That's I, what you just did. No, but if, if he doesn't go. out one play. And but if said, he well, doesn't he, go for it there. He should be criticized for that one play. If they lost the game, that's a key point, <laughs> which they almost no, did. No, 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 you got, you've got to, you made your decision before he ran the play, right? No, I didn't. You no. didn't. Oh, you waited till no, afterwards. I'm and talking about decided. how he almost lost the game. Like I, I would have questioned it at the time, yes, but I'm like, I get why he's doing this because this is what he does. But if he doesn't get this, this is going to be really bad if they lose the game. He's he's putting his te- his defense in a really bad spot if he doesn't get this first down. And he put his defense in a bad spot. And if Kentucky gets a two-point conversion, 
I can't think of any other reason why they lost the game but that. If Kentucky gets a two-point conversion. But none of it mattered. They won the game. Back to Wake Forest. <laughs> they, they won, and normally Wake Forest doesn't matter on the show unless we're playing them in basketball. Wake Forest won the Belk Bowl last night, which is a bowl game I don't care about. Didn't watch the game. 55-52 against Texas A&M. That is their eighth victory this season. It removes Wake Forest from a list. Now, I didn't put this together. Robert Rosenthal and others have been keeping a close eye on this. Illinois is now the only Power 5 team since 2009 to have not won eight football games and has not appeared in a Sweet 16 for men's basketball. Illinois has not been to the Sweet 16 since 2005. But again, I did not put this together. Robert Rosenthal and others have been keeping an eye on it. Now, Robert makes a great point. Uh, I saw him tweet this yesterday. Wake Forest is still on this list because he only counts regular season football wins. And so he says Wake Forest is still with Illinois. And that could be Robert trying to keep Illinois, ha- <laughs> Illinois in some company. That's a concerning stat to, to be the only Power 5 team to not have either eight football wins in a season or a Sweet 16 appearance in men's basketball. Again, it's been 12 years for Illinois basketball. Since 2009, no other Power 5 team has had those two stats together at this very moment. What can I say? Yeah, it's that's, true. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very true. Uh, but, hey, I think bas- basketball obviously is looking up, and hopefully uh, football is well, as I well. I mean, you say obviously basketball is looking up. Ba- what do you base that on? <sighs> yeah. Um, I just I have one, a good feeling. They only went at Missouri. They were four-and-a-half-point yeah, underdogs. Yeah, I, I, it's not yeah, even because of games win. this year. I, I just feel like Mark Smith's only going to get better. Trent Frazier's only going to get better. Uh, LaRon Black, I think, is going to be great next season. He's, he's really coming on. He's staying out. What of, about this season? I don't think this is an NCAA tournament team. I, I think they've missed opportunities. I think the Big Ten, uh, and we can talk about this with Derek Piper in terms of the Big Ten, I think they've really hurt themselves with some of the losses that they've had in non-conference play to teams that are really bad. And I think that makes the lead look bad. It brings the league RPI down. And so I think it's going to be difficult for Illinois. You said that teams are, are really bad. Like Rutgers, for instance, lost to um, Stony Brook. No, oh, you mean the league has lost games? Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. right. I was going to say, let's not. Uh, uh, New Mexico State isn't a bad loss. No, it's not. It absolutely is not. You're <laughs> I mean, correct you about right that. Turn right around, and beat Miami. You had that and, to our and too. they had Southern Cal on the ropes until the last minutes of that game. You added uh, that. I add that to the win column for Illinois, and that makes things look really good for the Illini. Well, it makes it look better. Yeah, I mean, in the, that game in particular. But I, I just see, see things looking up with Trent Frazier, like I mentioned, Mark Smith, Io DeSumo's coming in, uh, who is injured but is, has a, just a sprain and he's day-to-day. An update on that. I saw that last night. I want to talk about the Morgan Park thing. I do, but time to do that? hold that thought. we got we got one phone okay. call here. Let's go. They've been hanging on for a while. Let's, let's pull that up real quick here, and then we will uh, get your thoughts on the Morgan Park. Let's go to uh, Charlie Finn. Charlie, how are you? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Not too bad. I Just a, a couple of quick comments. Number one, Northwestern has a coach that is able to transmit the way he played in college to his players, and they play tough. They play tough football, and that's how he's winning with sometimes less material than some of the some of the top teams in the, in the Big Ten. In the, in, the, in the case of Ron Turner, I think he would be a great hire, and I think he's probably the – one of the best or the second best offensive coach we've had here in many years, right? With with next to John Makovic, and he produced. He had he had top rated passing attacks most every year he was here, even with the last quarterback with when he went with Butcher, the transfer from Iowa. But 
he was able to take a mediocre, a, a nice quarterback kid, kid there in high school, and mentor him into being a being in a real champion and 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 a very competitive guy. And I think he would just fit wonderfully to the to the community. And I think he would. He's a great mentor as far as a coach, and I think he'd be a terrific hire. That's a great point, Charlie, on the the, the mentoring the quarterback. And Lauren kind of well, mentioned you know, it earlier. Uh, but he, he, when uh, when he had uh, Kramer Kramer at at Chicago back in the nineties, yes. they, they they set the record thirty eight hundred yards. I think it was uh, right. the most yards ever by a Bear team, and the second best was Grossman in the in the uh, Super Bowl year when he was coaching under Levy. Yeah, so well, uh, he's had the, he I think and and without looking it all up and, and verifying my my stats, I think he has the one two statistics in bear history yeah well i i another another thing i just want to point out ron turner is a good friend of mine and he helped me a great deal on the my grains uh, efforts with the bears and he he set everything up with the bears to help me and i remember i i that was about the time that they brought in cutler and he was he was so excited about cutler coming in and because he thought he would be their answer and and uh, cutler is the guy that ended up getting him fired <laughs> so yeah it, uh, but anyway, I just uh, want to put put my sense of two cents in. And the thing about the Northwestern coach, he's going to be there as long as he wants to be. Oh yeah. Oh. And he's got a, and he's got a he's got a great program, and they're, they've enhanced it with the new buildings, and you know they they could they're going to be tough for a long time. So. For sure. Okay. okay. Have a good day, guys. Thanks, Charlie. Happy New Year. You bet. Bye bye. Let's go to another phone call here, and uh, we'll get to uh, Lauren has some thoughts on Morgan Park and an incident that happened this week. Let's go to Alan in Montrose. Alan, good morning. How are you? Morning, right, guys. Uh, a little nippy down here, like everywhere else. Yep. Uh, I have a little bit of football and basketball comments. First, the football. I'm uh, getting slightly encouraged about, you know, we got good recruits and we were able to keep them, but few we did get, we were able to hold on to him. And then when Lovey fired Derek McGee, I thought that was a very smart move on his part, which I didn't think would happen. He's McGee was the worst offensive quarter we've had since Paul Shudell with Blue Tepper. He had no imagination. I don't know how he was successful where he was at before. Basketball. I definitely do think we have improved but everybody else in the bottom of the Big Ten has improved, too. There is absolutely no gimmies in the conference, and we still might end up very close to the bottom of the end of the year, and I still think we probably have a better team than probably last year. Well, I, I, that's pretty hard for me to understand how we could be better this year than last year. We had better players at various positions last year than we have this year. Well, I we mean, played now, more aggressive defense. Lauren, yeah, I thing. agree with that. That's true. We are playing better defense, and we're playing, and we're offensively rebounding harder, and we're and we're certainly uh, overall. I think uh, I think we're getting better coaching right now than we Absolutely. were. Absolutely. But I just think that Malcolm Hill. We don't have a Malcolm Hill. We don't have. Right. Uh, That's the difference. And Tracy Abrams Maverick had a Morgan. pretty good senior year, and Maverick Morgan had an extra, extraordinary senior year. If he if he redshirts, which he should have done because he barely played at all his freshman year. Man, Black and Morgan down low because Black is really coming on and hopefully he can continue to stay out of foul trouble. That'd be a great combo down low right on the offensive end for sure. I don't know about defense, but on the offensive end for sure. I'd love to have Maverick Morgan have a fifth year. I think that'd be great. But it doesn't. One comment, 
quickly. Uh, Kendrick Nunn's having a real good year for Oakland, what I understand. Yeah, he just had if his fourth had game him, over 30. If we'd had him last year as a senior, uh-huh. we would have won two, three more, four more ball games, and we probably would have made the NCAA. There had been no coaching change, and Tillman would probably still have come to Illinois. That, am I too far off on that? Uh, no, 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 you're no, right about that. But um, I think a change – it took me a while to get onto this man wagon, but I, I think it was time for a change. And uh, I'm not was it 100 percent sold on that late in the season? Uh, the Rutgers loss probably pushed me over the edge a little bit, but you don't lose to Rutgers, I think right. by like two right. points or whatever it was, or three points. I can't. I know they had a three right before right before the game ended, but um, I don't think you lose to Rutgers. I, I agree with you. I think that Illinois makes the NCAA tournament last year, but I don't. I, 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 Josh Whitman, I've not asked this, this him directly. I don't know if he still might make a change. Uh, I think the team still struggled last year, and uh, Illinois is in better hands now. And I think Josh knew um, that that the change needed to be made, and the Rutgers game didn't decide that. I, I'm just, I'm a firm believer that Josh didn't make that decision on one game, but I, I think they make the tournament, and I don't. If they make the tournament, he wouldn't have fired him. Probably not. Uh, can't guarantee it, but I, I doubt it. And, and we still had Tillman, probably. M- most likely, all you know. Oh, I just yeah. read. I read a story a couple of weeks ago, and he. I mean, he. He signed with Illinois. He yeah. wasn't going to change if we don't change coaches. Yeah, then what's his going to be? Well, yeah, what would be his reason yeah. to get out of it? But listen, I mean, he's going. I think he's going to be a, a, a great player. Uh, he didn't look that great against Illinois last week. It could have been the atmosphere, oh, yeah. and uh, he'll be good. Yeah, he's gonna be really good. I, I think. Uh, would I like to have his body inside right now? Yes, of course. I, I, I but you don't. I don't want to get to go down this road of, you know, if we would have kept John Gross, if none would still be here, then we would have got Jeremiah Tillman. I think the future of the program is in is in better hands. Uh, one thing I will give John Gross and his staff credit for is Trent Frazier. I, I think that does not need to get overlooked. Don't overlook that. Uh, that is. A big right. get by them out of Florida with Miami down there, with Florida State down there, with Florida down there. Those schools and there are others that just kind of let him go. Uh, now, it depends on their roster situations, and I have not studied their rosters. Maybe they didn't need a guard like Frazier. Um, but getting him out of Florida and getting him up to up to Illinois, which and I always I was always sold on him when John Gross was still here. So I want to make sure we don't overlook the fact that John Gross and his staff. Uh, Lauren, was it Dustin Ford? Was he the lead recruiter on that one? Do you remember? I think he was. I think that was, you know, and Dustin Fork is criticized for his recruiting, but that that I, sounds right. Yeah, that was at the end, and I know they didn't get it done the previous years, but that was an important get for this year's team under Brad Underwood. Remove Trent Frazier and his performance the last few games, and where are you? I, I don't think you beat Missouri. And no. So, no. all right, Alan, we got to run. Thanks so much. Happy New Year. Give us a call, 356-9397. Texas on the Castle Heating Cooling Text Line, 351-5357. Lauren, hold that thought on Morgan Park. We're going to uh, take a time out here real quick. We'll come back. We'll talk about that, an incident in a Morgan Park game earlier this week. I would assume he was still not playing. He is day-to-day, according uh, to the team. Uh, Macrimum Fire, his AAU program, tweeted out last night um, that he's – He's a mild sprain. He's day-to-day, so Illini fans take a sigh of relief. His mom tweeted out the other day that he's fine. Uh, he's still not playing. He was not on crutches yesterday, so that's good news for Io DeSumo. We'll talk about the incident at the Morgan Park game coming up next here on Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. I told him to keep shooting the ball. Just keep shooting the ball. 
I'm one of the best shooters in, in the Big Ten Conference, even the country, and they just told me to keep shooting the ball, and I found it down in late games, and uh, now I'm shooting the ball very well. Trust, that's, he talked about trust. Um, I just know know that um, Coach trusts me with the ball in my hands, that I can make the play, but whether to score, make give it to my teammate to score the ball, and, uh, and I, I can make the right decision. Trent Frazier, uh, yesterday before practice, uh, talking to the media about his performance uh, early in the season and how he struggled uh, to shoot early on. He's losing some confidence, didn't feel good about himself, but then uh, got some confidence boosters from his coaches and his teammates and uh, has just kept shooting, and it's uh, worked well for him, and I would say so. 22 points against Missouri, hit the the dagger before the half for the three. Uh, it was a deep, deep three, and it was a, a big-time shot for Trent Frazier, 10 of 11 from the line, uh, so he's really coming on his own and just a freshman. Uh, excited about to watch him develop as, as we go through things. Give us a call, 356-9397. Text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 351-5357. We're going to hold the Morgan Park conversation uh, for Derek Piper, who will be here in about uh, five minutes or so obviously he, he covers recruiting and uh, knows the program really well and, and what happened this week so we'll get to that in a little bit later also talked about some uh, Illini uh, targets uh, not uh, who's had some good uh, good weeks in holiday tournaments we'll get to those here you and, mentioned Frazier and he's certainly stepping up but isn't it interesting how Jordan has slipped from the forefront how all stork scoring is uh, just disappeared where Nichols has des- definitely fallen slipped and also uh, Lucas, I think, is um, is losing. I'm, I'm not saying they won't play them together. I like them together a yeah, lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm not worried about Lucas's scoring, and I, I think that because uh, that's just not what he's here for. He's just not here to score. and I, I, So I don't even pay attention to his point totals. I pay attention to assist and turnovers, and I need to look at but the – If I'm playing defense, and I'm a defensive coordinator for the, the other team. Sure. Don't worry about Lucas. Yeah. Just forget about him. Is he a better shooter than Jalen Tate? Shoot. I know, but it, I know he doesn't shoot so very I'm often. So I'm not going to worry about covering him. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I mean, if he does it, shoot, it bothers me that anybody can't score because if anybody can't score, you leave him alone. You've got to cover Finky wherever he goes. You've sure. got to cover Black on the post. You've got to cover Fraser. You've got to cover Jordan. You do, and I, I think the teams are taking Jordan away a little bit. They I, are. They are, and so I don't. I don't think that's. Um, something on him that he's not getting something done. I think that well, the, the fact is he's not. He can't get his own shot. That's looks, really important. Yeah, yeah that separates the good players from the mediocre player. Yep, exactly. He, really, I mean, nobody's saying he can't shoot the lights out. But if you can't get a shot, I, I go back a hundred years. Harry Combs always said he never worried about guys that could get their shot. Well, if no. you could get your shot, that was the key thing for Harry. You couldn't stop Dave Downey from scoring because he could get his jump shot. Yeah. If they I mean, can, that's what I'm saying. You, you got a guy here that can't get his shot. That makes him a mediocre player overall. I think I think Lucas can get to the rim, and maybe he's deferring. I think he's not an elite guy who can get to the rim, but I think Lucas can get to the rim a little bit. Uh, I want to see him shoot more, uh, not threes. I don't want to shoot see him shoot threes. I think he's a better shooter than Jalen Tate. We just haven't seen him shoot enough to make that a definitive comment. Uh, and that's and, and that's what well, that, I think. I think there was a bigger issue. With Jalen Tate on the floor because he flat out couldn't do anything offensively in terms of his scoring, not even getting his own shot. He couldn't shoot, and I, so I I I have faith that Lucas is a better shooter than that. But I need him to see him shoot more on a consistent basis 
Again, I don't want him to shoot threes. They, we have, they have guys on the team that can do that. He doesn't need to do that. Unless he's just wide open, of course. Well, he was wide open in, in the game up in, uh, was it, uh, I'm trying to think, was it the State Farm Center or Rosemont? He, he had some open shots in that game. That didn't, I guess it was a, Ro- a Northwestern game, wasn't it? Well, see, that's what I'm talking about. Like, he got to the rim repeatedly, and I'm not talking about the last play of the game. He mm-hmm. got to the rim repeatedly in the second half, mm-hmm. and he carried them to a chance to win that game. And so I'm, I'm just not – and that's a Big Ten game. That's not like a against Longwood, for instance. So I take more stock in that, and that's why I think he has the ability to get to the rim. And I'm just not worried about him. Let's get a couple text messages in. Then Derek Piper's walking in the building now. We'll get him on. 618 area code. Illinois has not sustained success with pro-style quarterbacks in nearly 30 years. Those QBs aren't regularly going to play in that wind tunnel. Uh, run the option. Martin Texton. Tillman is also one and not ready. Bout done. Uh, then 217 text from the Castle Heating and Cooling text Wait, line. What was that one? Tillman is not a one is and done? also one and not ready. About done. Uh, so I think it was. Well, he's not a one and done. No, no, he, he uh, never no. was. No, he never was. I, I think he's he's got a lot of growth to before he does that. Uh, 217 texter, I don't think you guys give Michael Finke enough credit. He was part of the reason Tillman did not score very many points the other night. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's right about well, that. That was a very brief conversation we had earlier in the show. No, I thought Finke played terrific. Yeah. I thought it was his best game ever, maybe. Yeah, that was a great interior defense. Uh, Tillman didn't score very many points the other night. He stayed in front of him. You guys talk about everybody else and don't give Finky any credit at all. Well, he did, we had not, we have not really dove into the conversation of the intricacies of that game and the interior defense yet. Well, we if you're going to talk about one game, I think yes, yeah. I think he played good. Well, I think that the defensive play against their perimeter was more important. Even I thought that the the turnovers, if you can create eleven turnovers in the first half or sixteen turnovers 16. in the first half, yeah. totally. Uh, that tells you what they were doing. They didn't let the ball get in the pole, but he was a part of that. Absolutely. I don't, I don't want to in, in any way diminish what he did, but overall, game after game, he hasn't been very good in the post defensively. Yeah. And we'll see how he does when he goes up against teams in the Big Ten. All right. Uh, we're going to take a timeout, uh, and we'll at, and get some calls. Uh, Derek, give us a call back uh, in a little bit. We're going to take a timeout here, bring in Derek Piper, uh, Texas in at uh, 3515357 on the Castle Heating Cooling Text Line. Derek Piper's up next here on DWS. We've got a great Grand Canyon team coming in here. I think they're one of the three or four best teams that we have played uh, to this point. Uh, they've got tremendous veteran experience. I think two fifth-year guards, Braun and Benson. Benson was a key factor on, uh, the, on Oregon's Final Four run last year. Uh, they've got great size there. Uh, they've got a, a, a junior at the power forward spot in, 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 in the Vernon kid, uh, Keontae, that, that's a hard matchup. He's 6'6". He's motored up. Um, they run a lot of actions. Uh, but this is a very, very good basketball team at, uh, uh, that's coming in here. They, they're they're going to be a NCAA tournament caliber team, and, and uh, we're going to have to play awfully well. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. 10 degrees at 10.05. Thanks for joining us. Lauren Tate, Michael Kaiser with you. That was Brad Underwood on Grand Canyon. Body Alana game day at 1.30 this afternoon. Tip off at 3 o'clock with Brian Barnhart and Doug Altenberger. Please be joined in the studio now by Derek Piper of IlanaInquire.com. Give him a follow on Twitter at dpiper247. Derek, good morning. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you guys doing? Oh, pretty good. Well, uh, it's a really busy couple weeks for you because of the holiday tournaments and, of course, the line of basketball season is, is in full swing. Um, how do you really balance your schedule with all the holiday tournaments going on with the players at Illinois are targeting right now? Yeah, it's a great time to get out and see some of the talent, and the holiday tournaments are one of the most exciting times, you know, sure. pre get one into Peoria in the, in the IHSA tournament. But, uh, yeah, you try to balance it with the, the media requirements of the team <laughs> and then also trying to get out and see a couple of guys. I wish that some of them were closer. I wanted to see EJ Liddell again, didn't get down to Centralia. Yeah. But me and Lauren went over and saw French Socorro and Pekin. What did you think of him? You know, it, it's – Was it, he 6'10"? He's probably a legit 6'9". He's okay. listed as 6'10". Um I like him. It's hard to evaluate when you're going up against a six foot five center and he's getting double and triple teamed every time. And as I mentioned to you, I, you know, a lot of people rag on AAU, but I would much rather see him go against another legit high major big guy where you can kind of evaluate that a little bit more. Really so, hard to evaluate, wasn't it? It is. They just played a zone all around him. Right. And still, he got in, in the game we saw. He had what twenty two points and twelve rebounds. Twelve rebounds. And then the game last night against Lanfear, he had uh, 19, what, 19 and, 14. and 14. So that's about the same thing. He seems to be, uh, well, he just towers over everybody. I just don't know how good he is. I, I, how He runs the court good. He's got good movement that way. There's something that, I, that I'm questioning. I'm not sure what it is. It, um, is it his um, movements on the post? I mean, he's, he's not as slick as... Uh, I don't. I don't see him as good as Tillman, as Jeremiah Tillman. It's of course he's a junior. Right. Yeah, I think Tillman was a little bit more agile in terms of yeah. back to the basket the game. Yeah. Um, in terms of spinning off, Tillman had a great, you know, baseline spin move that I think Francis is still developing his back to the basket. But you don't see many six ten big guys run the floor like he does. No, he's a, he's a sprinter. And his rebounding range is phenomenal as well. So. You see the pieces that he has, and I was really impressed with him over the summer. I think Liddell was more productive. I think that's what we have a hard time comparing the two, where Liddell's out there dominating, and, yeah. and he's more polished, and he's more productive. Francis, you just see what he can be, but at the same time, at worst, he's a rim protector, a guy that runs to the rim in transition, and a rebounder. He ought to be a pretty good defensive player, but I've never seen him play defense against a big guy. Right, and one thing that I really like about him is is he's a guy that almost reminds you Nana-esque in terms of being able to switch off the ball screen, can guard, the, keep the one in front of him, roll back to the five, and that's an attribute of a guy that has good feet, quick, athletic, and, and also can block some shots. Derek, what Missouri obviously is going to be a key opponent for Illinois in the recruitment of Liddell. Yep. How is this going to go down to the very end? Um, who do you, do you think anybody's in the lead right now, or is he just kind of focusing on his season? Um, he's definitely thinking. If he's not telling you that he is in the back of his <laughs> mind, I think that Illinois and Missouri are jockeying on a day to day basis, and I think that's why Illinois loved. I think there were three things that stuck out to him about the Bragg and Rights game. First and foremost, Illinois won the game, yes. and he was sitting behind the Missouri bench. They're up <laughs> by twenty, and then yeah, how does that feel, EJ? Right. Move to the other bench. Move to the other bench. And uh, how they use Leron Black. And that's mm -hmm. something that not only, you know, Francis is looking at, Liddell's looking at. When you have a new system, you want to see how do they utilize my position and kind of they've essentially told him, watch Leron. This is the role that we want to put you in, although we feel like you're obviously more athletic than Leron. You can shoot the three better than Leron. But he was such a focal point of their attack against Missouri, and he so many touches, he – 
had a couple of threes on the inside, outside, gives him so many options. And then lastly is the freshman guards. I mean, look at the guards that we have for you to play with compared to Missouri. Yeah, Blake Harris is a good freshman point guard for them, did some things for them. But Trent Frazier, Mark Smith, those are guys that you're going to want to, you know, hook your wagon to. When do you think he makes a decision? Is it way too early to even think about that right now? Is is it going to be the summer? Is it going to be closer to signing day? I could see it going down into the summer and the fall. I I think that both sides will try to push for it early. I think Illinois has a better chance to get it early because Jamal Walker has worked that one so long. And I think that that's really the great thing. And then also – the connection with Francis, I think those two are really paired together because they love playing together on, on Brad Bill Elite on the AAU, AAU circuit. So Io DeSumo's working Francis and Mark Smith's working EJ. And I think <laughs> the, the big key is Brad Underwood's involvement, which is a really big challenge for a coach who's, especially in year one, trying to get his team to progress and learn more of the system. And obviously he wants to get as much out of this team as possible because – he doesn't want to take a year off in the NCAA tournament by any means. No. At the same time, you want to get a little more face time, develop that relationship, and see if you can get him early. Well, you guys got to sit with Brad at the game the other day up and up and to watch Okoro. And so, you know, he's still having time to do that, but that's been helped by having a week off in between games. Yeah, it really, it, that really helps, you know, not only on the practice court, but also yeah. getting a chance to, to be seen. And that's important. I know that it, it's funny that. You're not really out there evaluating at that point. You're really just trying to make sure that he sees you and you <laughs> see him and, and all that, which is kind of a funny aspect of recruiting. But it's important, and, and kids you know, value that. They want to know that the head man is the one that is recruiting them and, and developing that relationship. So I know that Francis told me after the game you know, that was big to see Underwood you know, sitting courtside, and now Francis is going to come to the game today, which is – going to be great that's going to be his second visit on campus since the fall which is more than any other place I know he's he's gone to Purdue once wants to go back there but Illinois is doing a really good job with him right now what schools will he consider he's going to cut down to five right Illinois Oregon Kansas what are the other two yeah he he wants to cut down to five next month if I had to project it right now I would say Illinois Kansas Purdue Oregon and probably Missouri those would probably be the top five right now that's right. Uh, Purdue was a Purdue uh, painter was at the game the day before we were there, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. So he's after he's got a great uh, in on centers because he makes sure the centers touch the ball every time down the court. Every center's got to love that. Yeah, I mean they have a great sell every year for big guys, and they just put the stats in front of them. They track it. You know, we lead the country in post touches essentially every year, and, and the do. way they develop them. So they they do have a really good sell for big guys. Okoro was the MVP of the Pekin tournament, and uh, another guy, Adam Miller of Morgan Park, is getting a little bit extra showtime this week due to Io's injury, which I guess it's a sprain. It's just day to day, so it looks like to be okay. He was the MVP of the uh, the Big Dipper tournament. Where does Illinois stand with him right now? Uh, is he a, is he a priority um, for them right now at this point? Yeah, he's a huge priority, okay. and he has been for a while. And a guy that loves coming to campus, obviously really close with Demonte Williams being back from Peoria, yep. so. Um, I think Illinois holds kind of a special place in his mind. At the same time, you know, I've talked to him when Brad was hired, and I think the I.O. commitment was really huge for Adam because he kind of – and obviously Mark Smith also just kind of changing the mindset of the top players in the state who it's almost as if you're the number one player in the state, it's almost a given that you're going elsewhere. You're going to go to a bigger school, a bigger name school. Now that Mark turned down Michigan State to stay home, I.O. could have – 
if he wanted to, gone to other programs as well, sure. decided to stay home, that kind of molds his mind a little bit more to where now Illinois is the destination. So they're working hard on him and his game, his upside. He has as much upside, maybe even more than Mark Smith, maybe even more than Io. His, his off the dribble is just special, and now he's shooting the three a lot better than he was in the summer, which makes him even better. Okay, let's talk about what happened uh, mm-hmm. night before last when, of course, Io was hurt, and uh, Ty Streets, the Thornton coach, decided to box in one on Miller. Yep. And one thing led to another. Take me, take me through it. I mean, <laughs> players got into it. Didn't uh, they? It's too bad that I wasn't there because I always like seeing a good Irvin scuffle that happens a lot over the summer. But yeah, Streets and and the Irvins, Mean Streets and, and Mac Irvin, they go against each other during the summer. It's not a big secret. They don't like each other, and I, th- I think it started with some some chirping on the court, and then the coaches got after it in each other's faces. And next thing you know, the cops are out on the floor and called the game off. Yep. Always keep the teams to their lockers, and I guess two guys were scrambling on the floor, right, when it happened, and yeah. they just decided to send them in, and they didn't finish the game. I mean, I heard that uh, Morgan Park was ahead either 11 or 14. Yeah, they were up double digits, so. And uh, they gave them the victory because it was uh, like a minute to go, but, man, what are we what are we turning into here? This is <laughs> high school basketball. here in like, Champaign with the shooting. Oh, yeah, that was after the game. I'm yeah. told that the two guys that did the shooting were tossed out of the – uh, the Danville Champagne game at the halftime that they were ushered out. Oh wow! But they but they haven't been arrested. Well, no, that they, they you got to have a, you got to have a, somebody testify, I guess. Well, they they're still gathering all the evidence in that case. But I mean, that's that's a that's a scary thing that happened at that game. But this is like high school basketball and coaches fighting with you know. Well, that's what sets everybody off. I know. I I just don't I don't see why there's a place for that in the, in the game. I just don't I, – I get that there's animosity there, but these are kids. Let's let them play the game. I know. It's frustrating because there is animosity and there's also ego. It's probably the biggest no, thing. ego. Yeah, no ego. <laughs> Chicago basketball and ego. I'd never heard anything like that. No, but never happened. Yeah, it's just – it is what it is, man. That's just how it goes. And it's going to be interesting again. I, I can't help but think that – you look all the way forward to 2020 where you have Adam Miller who playing for Morgan Park. DJ Stewart is another one that's talked about a lot, and he's fantastic over at Fenwick. He's a Mean Streets guy. Was he 6'1"? Oh, jeez. Stewart's about 6'3". Is he that tall? Yeah, Miller's about 6'1". Okay. And could those two play together? Would the Irvins have a problem with those two playing together? Because Stewart's a Mean Streets guy. It never ends, guys. Oh, boy. Well, I'm we going to have that again. <laughs> I, I I won't even bring up the three letter name that he goes by, the three letter initials. I just won't even. We all we all know how that worked out. Uh, that. By the way, how's he playing this this season? Really good. I mean, he's going to be he's going to be a heck of a four year player. I'm telling you, he's Horton Tucker. We're talking about multiple games over thirty. I mean, a guy that can get you seven, eight, nine rebounds. I love him. I love his game. The 2018 class is obviously not done yet. April, they can sign again in April. Um, is there a guy right now? There's, there's Thamba out there. You know, Tevin is it Tevin Jones? Tevian Jones. Tevian Jones, and then Tayshon Cherry. Yep, um, he he would be awesome. One five yeah, star. Yeah, I, I he tweeted out the other like because the the he likes Io that Iowa's here. Yep. Um Do you see either one of those guys as being? I mean, Thamba would be great for the post, but do you see any of those guys? Coming here, do you see an addition to this class right now, or is it just really too early to tell? Is it more of a transfer thing on, on the 
for the fifth year market? I think when it comes to a big guy, you're probably looking at a transfer. Okay. And I think that Underwood has made it clear now that you know we have some developmental bigs. We need a guy who can come in and contribute right away next year. Yeah. I think we got to try to win next year because we're essentially trading IO for All Stork and bringing back everybody else. This is a team that can win next year, go to the tournament and do something. So um, in terms of adding to the 2018 class, I think Tevian Jones is the key right now, and I think that Illinois has done a really good job. He really likes Io, which helps, and Io's yes. working him hard. And Chin Coleman has done a really good job with him as well. And Tevian has family that's from Chicago. His mom actually went to high school in Chicago, so that is another thing that, that helps Illinois. But – yeah, and he's a, he's a wing that's six foot five. He's athletic. He can shoot the three pretty well. He had forty seven points here, last, you know, this week. And I know Underwood talked to him on the phone right after the game. So he's one that wants to. T- has already said he wants to take a visit to Illinois, and uh, he's kind of the one that you point to. Obviously, Tayshawn Cherry when he says, you know, Io makes me want to look at Illinois. That that raises your eyebrows yeah, a little bit because that's a five star, you know, power forward who can do essentially everything, but. That that's still one to be skeptical of, especially because he may be one of the guys named in that FBI case. Yeah, does Illinois need to stay away from him for that? I'm glad you brought that up. Do they need to stay away from him because of that situation? That's a question that a lot of people are asking, and I think that you just obviously what you do isn't going to affect that case because if you are, you know, going by the book and not getting into any of that, I think you're going to be fine. The same time you do want to well now wait a minute they said that when if Bowen wanted to go somewhere else right that he could play I mean next year yeah so I don't understand why any case that was I mean maybe Jones might be limited to a school that that he was involved in but he wouldn't be in, limited by any other schools would he yeah it makes you think back I know it's a different situation but when you had Cam Newton at Mississippi State, where his dad yeah. was essentially taking money, and then he was allowed to go somewhere else because Cam wasn't involved or, right. quote-unquote, didn't have any knowledge <laughs> of that situation. Sure. So with Bowen, I don't know if it was just a situation of him wanting, okay, I'm a McDonald's All-American, I can sit out this year, go to the NBA next year, or if nobody just wanted to get involved in that situation. because then, He's denying that he knew what his dad was doing. Right. His dad had agreed to take $100,000 yep. uh, over monthly payments, I guess. But Brian uh, is denied, and and he's been declared ineligible at Louisville. Right. But he's indicating that he didn't have any any knowledge of it. Right. And with Tayshawn Cherry, the LA Times reported that he was player eight in the the FBI case involving uh, Tony Bland out there, who was the assistant coach for USC. And and there was in there that, you know, they accepted a $4,000 payment, and the Cherry family denies that they're even. And it's hard because you got to kind of wait for the FBI to come out and say this is actually who the player was. So I think from Illinois' standpoint, until further details come out, and I'm sure it's going to drag out a while, stay interested and recruit him. If he wants to come on campus, let him come on campus. Well, we'll see what develops. Well, let's let's switch gears. Uh, we're running short on time here. We'll definitely get to today's game against Grand Canyon. Uh, Thunder Dan Marley's in town. And what have you seen? Uh, let's break down the bragging rights game first real quick and – I really liked LeRon Black's performance in that game and how they kept going to him, and of course Trent Frazier. And you were standing there yesterday, as 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 was I, when he talked about he wasn't confident in the season basically, and he just kind of had his head down a little bit. But he's feeling a lot better, and his performance is getting better and better every game. 
Yeah, it's been really impressive to see Trent grow in, in such a short time period yeah. where earlier on in the season, he's one of the guys maybe you had, I don't want to say the, the littlest trust in him with the ball in his hands, but he almost made you cringe or hold your <laughs> breath a little bit because he was a guy that could make a spectacular play or easily just give it back to the, uh, to the opponent as soon as he touches the ball. Now it's to where Brad Underwood doesn't want anybody else handling the ball at the end of the game than Trent Frazier. And at the Missouri game, he wanted Trent Frazier to take the big shots. Even in the New Mexico State game, with a chance to tie with a three, he wanted Trent Frazier to take that shot. So Trent's confidence is is through the roof right now. A guy that obviously plays with a lot of swagger, a lot of electricity. And now that he's confident in his shot, he can do some stuff off the dribble. I've been impressed with what he can do defensively. A uh, defensive playmaker who can really hound guys and, and create steals. So I mean, he had a big three in front of Tillman's face right before <laughs> halftime, and then the and one towards the end. That was the biggest thing that stuck out to me, outside of maybe just the team defense in the first half, which was at another level. It was ridiculous. That's what they need today, too, because you're running up against some pretty good guards. Yeah, some guys I mean, that, that can shoot that's the, the three, That's the strength too. of this team is, is Grand Canyon's guards, and and uh, that was not the case in, in the Missouri game. Right. That and, was their weakness, and we capitalized on it. In this case, it's a little different. It's it's trying to stop two guys that are four years older than uh, – I'd have to look that up, but they're probably about three or four years older than Frazier. Yeah. You've got a lot of maturity there, and you've got some fifth-year guys at guard. Yeah, you've got Casey Benson, who was on Oregon last year yeah. and played a good amount for them, over 20 minutes per game on a team that went to the Final Four. Yeah. He's now brought experience to them. And then Joshua Braun was – he led the whack in three-pointers made last year and the WAC preseason player of the year this year. So this is a team that has good guard play. Surprise, surprise, they love to shoot the three ball with Dan Marley. <laughs> can't imagine why Dan Marley would want that. More than 26 three attempts per game. Jeez. So you don't want them to get hot. You hope they catch some of this cold that's out there outside. Yeah, they're not used to the snow. Dan is, though, because he's from Michigan. So right. he knows all about the snow. I want to ask you about Tijon Lucas, and you mentioned that Underwood wants the ball in Trent Frazier's hand. Tijon struggled at the free throw line late in games last year and this year. Does that play into that inning at all? I know Trent Frazier's really shooting the ball well, but Tijon had a great finish against Northwestern, except albeit the last play of the game where he maybe forced it a little bit there. But is is the free throw sh shooting struggles? Because Brad said yesterday, it's unacceptable. I will not accept missed free throws. Is that playing into why Trent's getting the ball at the end of the games in any part? I think it's part of it. And also the fact that you have to guard Trent wherever he is on the court, whether he has the ball or not. And if he's 30 feet away from the basket, he's a threat to score the ball. So with Tijon, yeah, Brad is done with the being so close to winning the game and not being able to win, yes. especially – something so simple as a free throw or something so simple as an inbounds pass. <laughs> so he's trying to limit that as much as possible. And Tijon, it's kind of a mental thing right now with him at the free throw line. He obviously still provides value to your team, leadership-wise, toughness, defense, and can still be a really good distributor. Uh, I think offensively he's still leaving much to be desired. I don't even think he scored in that Missouri game. But he had a good game, as you mentioned, in Northwestern. He even took over in the second half against New Mexico State. I worry about Tijon a little bit because I think that you're starting to wonder if, if Trent's passing him up. I know they can play together at the same time. but I like them together on the floor when Tijon's playing well. Yeah, no, they can be really good together, uh, especially the offensive end, if it's not a mismatch defensively. But Tijon is going to have to step up because obviously it's only going to get tougher in the backcourt 
when I.O. comes in next year. Yeah, I mean, that, that's clear which way they're headed. That right. <laughs> I.O. will be the guard alongside uh, Fraser next year. Lucas is going to get probably lost in the shuffle by next year. May, may, may be a good substitute to bring in defensively and for hustle, but man, if you, if you, I don't know of a guard that I know, I can't, you, I can't name a guard that can't score. I can't name a, a good guard that can't score. I just don't know any. Mm-hmm. Does that, does that person exist somewhere? Maybe Rajon <laughs> Rondo. Well, that's true. He can even, he can score sometimes. He's not the greatest shooter, but well, he's, how many assists did he have the other night? Like 25 assists yeah. the other night. <laughs> but, yeah, there's not many of them if there are any. Where's yeah. the next Trey Young coming from? That's that's the oh, guy. Oh, man. That guy. I didn't even – I loved watching him in AAU. He played with uh, Michael Porter Jr. Okay. Same AAU team. Trey Young was not shooting the three like that. And, and now, I mean, what he did against Northwestern. I mean, was, does he still lead the country in points and assists? If Michael – Porter does not return if he doesn't where is Missouri headed and how good is Jonte Jonte's a good player he didn't show it in that game obviously went scoreless I don't know I I saw some lack of mobility that would bother me yeah it was tough with the way both Stephen F. Austin and Illinois guarded and maybe that's the blueprint for a team that lacks the guard play and they have the interior they want that's what they wanted. They wanted post touches because that opens up their three. And that was a team that was 11th in the country coming in in three-point shooting. But when you pressured them and took them out of their sets, couldn't let Tillman touch the ball, couldn't let Porter touch the ball on the block, that's where you kind of put the team in the blender and leave the corner three open or you're going one-on-one in the post. And that's what Illinois did a great job of. And Tillman, we're, we're fortunate, too. They missed five. They only made five out of 27 threes. If you yeah, you can just game. forget everything else and just look at the three point shooting, and, and you can do that game after game, and that's why they lost. Right. <laughs> Missouri needs better guard play, though. I think that's the biggest key. I, I like Blake Harris. I don't think he's going to be a great point guard. He's he's got some quickness, and he showed that ability to score. Um, Tillman's going to come back, I think, unless he pulls a Deontay Davis and is okay with getting drafted in the second round. I think Jonte comes back. I don't think Michael Porter comes back. They're going to try and get Courtney Ramey who's up there in the top 50 as a point guard. I know Villanova's involved as well and some other other schools, but they need to get better in the backcourt to be able to match Illinois with what they're bringing in next year. I wonder year. if Brunson's going to stay another year. Boy. Boy, he's having a terrific oh year. Oh, my gosh. Villanova at yeah. Butler today. I mean, they lost at Butler last year. I don't know. Yeah. But he's that team is tremendous. I mean, they're, they're really good again. They're awesome. And Brunson now going from starting as a freshman where – he didn't really have to be the guy to score, and now has shown that he, he can be the man. Over. So he's awesome. Well, just a couple more minutes with Derek Piper here of IlliniInquire.com. Give him a follow on Twitter at dpiper247. Derek, Laura and I earlier in the show talked about the what this team's going to be this year. I, I think they've missed opportunities to help their resume. That's that's well known. Uh, I don't see this being an NCAA tournament team this season. Another thing that concerns me is the reputation of the Big Ten right now and the losses they've had against some teams that aren't very good. Uh, Rutgers there's been quite a few of those, yeah, right? Been, yeah, and Rutgers the last week has lost the teams they have should never lose to, but Stony Brook and then Hartford the other night. And yeah. every time I see one of those losses, I go, the Big Ten bids, they're in trouble. And so Illinois is going to have trouble picking up marquee wins in the Big Ten outside of if they can beat Purdue or Michigan State, or of course, or maybe Minnesota. After that, 
you know, marquee win. I don't, I don't really see one right now in terms of a major marquee win to help their resume because it is not what it needs to be. Yeah, that makes it tough. And at the same time, it, it kind of gives you an opportunity to maybe be in the top six or seven of the Big Ten if you do get it rolling. And we saw that Underwood was able to do that last year with Oklahoma State, yeah. obviously, after taking six losses to start Big 12 play. Yeah. So maybe you take him in the non-conference and, and get things going. Yeah, the, the the RPI is a question with the Big Ten. And obviously, it's it's obvious it's not as strong of a conference as it has been in maybe previous seasons. And when Penn State loses to Ryder at the buzzer, yeah. and Iowa's taking some bad losses, and Wisconsin already has seven losses, that's that one blows my mind. Right, and, and it could have been eight if they didn't get a homer call against Penn State. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting though because if Illinois wins this game, they they go into conference play with ten wins, and, and if you win another ten to maybe maybe eleven. And Big Ten play, and you're sitting there at six, it's going to be hard to keep you out of the tournament, yeah. especially if you win maybe one more in New York. I'm not saying no one is going to do that. I think this team is only going to get better, and they can beat essentially almost anybody in the conference, maybe outside of Michigan State. You'll still have some quality opportunities, as you said, Minnesota, especially on the road, Purdue, Michigan State, Maryland, even though that's a tough – you don't play Maryland again. And they lost Justin Jackson, yes. so that would have been a nice win, though. Yeah, Doug. Jackson, is that's a tough blow, boy. Yeah, he, he was a major force for them. Yeah, he wasn't playing great. I, I mean, as great as his potential, but uh, that that sets him back. Yeah, that's that's a that, and that's why I see like that hurts Maryland, and now you know they're got to figure things out without him. And Cowan hadn't had any games like he had against Illinois lately either. No, that's I mean, true. He just burned Illinois. He, he wasn't good before Illinois, right? I mean, right. If I remember yeah. correctly, and so that loss may not have looked as good as it would have if he had not gotten hurt. And, and, well, and Northwestern doesn't look as good. No. A lot I mean, of people thought Northwestern was going to be maybe a top time, five. 60, 68 to 38? 63 to 30? What was that halftime score against Oklahoma? 68-38. 68-38. Mm. And back to Trey Young there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is he, in your mind, before we let you go, is he the best player in the country right now? Going into the season, it was Marvin Bagley, the number one pick. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is yep. looking great at Arizona. Out of those three guys, who is your number one pick right now? For me, the way the NBA is played right now, it's Trey Young. If I'm, if the Bulls can find a way to stop winning, I was just going to say, stop that. winning. Can the Bulls stop winning and then get one of those guys? They're not good enough to compete in the East at all with this, even with Zach Levine coming back. Yeah. So they need to stop winning. Is Trey Young your number one pick right now? Andy Katz was on this program a couple of weeks ago, and he said Trey Young is his number one pick at this moment. If I'm the Bulls, I'm taking Trey Young. Yeah. I, I mean. You, it's hard to be like, well, he's going to be the next Steph Curry, but when a guy can fill it up like that, distribute that, it's a guard's game. I mean, you look at the best teams; they have great point guard play. He's shooting yeah. from NBA range now. Yeah, I know. Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Russ Westbrook. If you have a game changer at point guard, when the Bulls were great, they had Derrick Rose. Yeah. So uh, the big guys intrigue me, obviously, and. If you're getting Marvin Bagley, I'm not complaining. <laughs> even if you slide, say the Bulls want to win a couple more games and slide even to like 10, which is where Miles Bridges is projected. Okay. You're not complaining. No. But this is a bad year to, you know, win for no reason if you're the Bulls. Well, I mean, they were lost 10 in a row. They were 3-20, and 20, and Miritich comes back, and they're 10-2 and two since then. They're the <laughs> best record in the East since December the 8th yep. at 8-1. and one. I'm like – what are you doing? Like, is Fred Ho Hoiberg suddenly a great NBA coach? Like, he, he was struggling to mesh with the roster. Is this a addition by subtraction with Jimmy Butler gone? I mean, in terms of the coaching 
with the roster and players respecting the coach. The coaching and the culture around there. And I guess if you're having a problem in whether your personal life, your career, get punched in the face. Yeah, and, and that's things what will get a lot better for it. <laughs> if I'm having a bad show, Lauren needs to punch me in the face and wake, break my jaw and break my foot fist. <laughs> <laughs> my jaw's pretty soft, Lauren. You're all right. Well, uh, Trey Young would be a lot of fun to watch, and uh, I definitely think I, I, I just he's the quick release every time I and then. 12 assists at halftime of games. I'm like, this guy's just incredible. So he's Derek Piper. Derek, thanks so much. Great stuff as always. Illini fans are going to be watching closely on Twitter, dpiper247, to see what happens with the rest of this season and with recruiting and 2018 class. Needs another player or two, and I think that uh, next year, like you mentioned, it could be pretty good. I think it can, guys. Thanks for having me, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Illini game against three, against Grand Canyon, 3 o'clock this afternoon. We'll take a timeout. Tom Deanhart gave us a call back. We're going to get him on in a few minutes. That's coming up here on DWS. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. He's Lauren Tate. I'm Michael Kaiser. Thanks for joining us this morning. Coming up on 1038, 10 degrees. Uh, if you don't have to go out today, just stay home because the roads aren't in great shape. I know crews are doing the best they can, and it's going to be frigid temperatures. Uh, the temperatures going to be in the single digits throughout the rest of the week. Temperatures are supposed to fall the you know into next week anyway. Minus five tonight. Uh, it's going to be really chilly, so just stay inside uh, this week and enjoy the New Year's that way. Joining us now from BTN.com, Tom Deanhart. Tom, good morning. How are you? Good. I apologize for missing you guys earlier. I always love coming on with you. And, uh, yeah, we have uh, two Big Ten Bowl teams in action today, and Michigan goes in a few days. And then, guys, I like to think that's when college basketball season really starts, right? Yeah, yeah, I think. Bowl games. Yeah, you know, we were talking about earlier in the show, like before, kind of you get to this point of the bowl calendar. I wasn't really that interested, um, but now the bowl, the marquee bowl games are picking up. You know, the Cotton Bowl yesterday, I watched a good chunk of that one, and then I, that's when I start to watch the the Orange Bowl, the Fiesta mm -hmm. Bowl. And these are the games that I care about, and now I'm getting a little excited about it. But what I like to see, um, regardless of what bowl games the Big Ten has been in so far, they're five and zero. Conversely, the Pac-12 is one and seven, and that makes the Big Ten look pretty good. Yeah, how about that? Five and zero for the first time since 1998, if you can believe that. Nick Saban was still coaching Michigan State. It was that wow. long ago. So yeah, a nice start. You know, not to diminish wins in the Foster Farms Bowl, the Pinstripe Bowl, or or the Holiday Bowl. Yeah. But, you know, I think the bowls where you really get measured on are coming up. And it really began last night. You referenced the Cotton Bowl. You know, you always like to do well in those marquee, traditional uh, bowl games like the Cotton, the Fiesta, and the Orange. And, again, the Big Ten is going to get its chance head-to-head. -head. I really love that Fiesta Bowl clash, Penn State, Washington, and, course in south florida miami against wisconsin two programs that can't be any different going head to head so a couple biggies tonight tom as you as you looked at uh last night's game give tom a follow on on twitter at, at btn tom deanhart uh, as you looked at last night's game uh between the buckeyes and the trojans going into that game there was a question you know is ohio state going to come in mad because they didn't make the playoffs are they going to kind of be lackluster uh, because they didn't make the playoffs, uh, so it was in your mind. Was there a question of how the Buckeyes would come out last night uh, on either side of that coin? I think so. Yeah, I mean, you, you just never know what the mindset's going to be of some of these teams. Uh, 
going into the bowl game, um, given the circumstances, uh, how their season unfolded, and especially how it ended. For Ohio State, it ended with, with euphoria and then disappointment, obviously, winning the Big Ten and not getting a, a playoff spot. So you did wonder maybe how motivated they were going to be. Um, but they surprised me, I tell you what, uh, just that one-two punch of J.T. Barrett and the Ohio State defense, guys, that USC line could not deal with the Buckeye defensive line. <clears throat> Smothered Sam Darnold. And again, Barrett, seems like he's been in Columbus for 10 years. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is performance for him. So, yeah, I, I was surprised they came out as motivated as they were, 24-7. Let me ask you this, fellas. Um, I don't think this validates him as a playoff team. I still think that offense really would have struggled to score against somebody like Clemson. I agree. I don't. I don't think they the offense looked all that great last night. You, you take the pick six off the scoreboard. They had a fumble yep. that put them in great position that led to another touchdown. So you take fourteen points off the board, and all of a sudden it's a ten to seven game. They scored twenty one points overall off turnovers. So I, I don't think the offense looked that great in in terms of you know no. turning it into points on the offensive side of things. Again, you wonder what's going to happen next year. Barrett's gone, and, and again, that was one of the problems I thought with Ohio State's offense. They always leaned too much on J T. Barrett especially running the football. You always wonder how good of a passer he was. That they, they struggle in that aspect of the game on offense all year long. So now he's gone. You know, I guess Dwayne, Dwayne well, Haskins is going to be the guy next year. So they're going to retool that quarterback spot. We know Kevin Wilson was the new coordinator over there last year. And I have to say, again, the results uh, were, were mixed at best for that Buckeye offense, especially, I, I should say, against top competition. Well, I guess I, I won't uh, sit here and worry about Ohio State at any position <laughs> in football next I'm year. I'm not either, Lauren. Or, or any year in the next hundred. <laughs> <laughs> they just always come up with players, and they always get the best players. And we saw that again in the, in the, in the recruiting this year. They just, they're just dominant in that. I want to switch over to that Northwestern game. I, I wanna, I've been harping about this call against Snell by the official. <clears throat> What's your take on him being thrown out of the game? Um, did you catch that, Tom? Yeah, that was an abomination, I thought. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, there has to be some interpretation by these refs. Everything can't be black and white. Um, maybe you know, Chanel shouldn't have grabbed the official's hands. He didn't do it, I think, with intent. He was frustrated. I think, again, you know, it's just a second when a cop pulls you over speeding. He doesn't always have to give you a ticket, right, and give you a warning. And what Chanel uh, did as far as his quote contact goes, certainly to me didn't look like it merited ejection. Um, a 15-yard penalty, okay. But again, I thought it was an egregious call by the official. One of uh, several that really uh, tainted that, that music city bowl, I thought. Yeah, it really did. But Northwestern is, what's going on there? They just keep winning all these close games. Yeah. Yeah, I remember all those years they could never win a bowl game. Yeah, and they beat Mississippi State that in a bowl three or four years ago. Got the monkey off their back. Now they've won a couple in a row. So, you guys hear the hype all the time in Champaign. I'm sure you guys don't like it, but hear about all the brand new facility on the lakefront. <clears throat> you know, I've seen it up there. It's it's beautiful, and the momentum Northwestern has another ten win season. So, they're not going away. Um, so again, Fitz has it going, guys. I mean, it's it's hard to deny that, and. uh Boy, there's never been a more perfect fit between a, a coach and a school and what they have going on up there in Edmonton right now. And that's now. the truth. I mean, it's a perfect fit. I mean, he it played is, there, really and he, you know, and he coached there, and now he's head coach Chicago there. Guy. And, and uh, he's just the right guy. He, he, he won with him when he played, and he's winning with him now. And it's, 
It's kind of it. It just I I keep falling back on this with Iowa and Wisconsin and and Northwestern. It's just the the, the continuity. The yeah. I, I I somebody said, well, Illinois will catch up to them next year. They got so and so graduates. Well, so what? They'll have another guy step in. It's a system. The system's in place. Yeah, and that continuity helps, Lauren. Like you said, the system. You know, the culture is ingrained. You had that little hiccup a couple of years ago. Remember when they had that player. I call it a player strike. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it got really it. ugly. Yeah, yeah, it got really ugly, and they had a couple of losing seasons, but they rebounded from that pretty well. But you're right, Lauren. There's always something to be said for continuity, whatever it is in life, whatever business it is. Um, that same message gets delivered. And I tell you what, if, if you had a son who was getting recruited to play college football, Northwestern was one of your choices. It'd be hard not to tell your kid to go play football up there, because you know Fitz is going to be there. You know the education you're going to get. And uh, you know you're going to probably have a chance to win a lot of football games. So, you know, there's hope for Illinois, though. Um, I think anybody in that Big Ten West, guys, I really believe in any any of the seven teams in that division can win that division. You can't say that about the East. Rutgers, Maryland, and Indiana, I feel safe saying, are never going to win the Big Ten East. But I think from Purdue to Illinois, anybody can win that West if they get it going. Despite Northwestern, we just talked about it, and Wisconsin and their dominance, the Badgers' dominance year in and year out. I mean, it's going to be tough to get past this those two teams. Um, everybody can have a step up one year and have a great year. Yeah, to get past both of those, though, I think would be difficult. But it, 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 it's doable, I think. Um, I don't think uh, you know to, to get up to the to be the second best team in the West is not going to take much. Uh, you know, I, I love Kirk Ferentz in Iowa, but that's certainly not a steep mountain to climb there. They, they sort of are what they are. They're always going to be what they are. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, after that, guys, we'll see what Scott Frost does. He's only been head coach for two years. Um, again, Northwestern's catchable. So, again, we'll see what P.J. Fleck does. That's going to be a fun wild card, too. So, you know, we'll see. Um, Lauren remembers it. I remember it. There was a day when Wisconsin was atrocious. Yeah, that's right. I, I remember. I, I remember going to a game up there in 1988. Don Morton was the head coach after Dave McClain died, and there were probably 30,000 people in Camp Randall Stadium. They were running the triple option, and they were horrible. So, um, the big key is going to be what happens when Alvarez leaves. And uh, again, nothing lasts forever. I guess that's all I'm saying. Um, things have a way of changing and moving around over the course of time. Except for well, Ohio State. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, there, there's some for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm just kidding. They, they, they're going to have their blip every once in a while. Not much. We saw Michigan. I mean, Michigan, for crying out loud, went through a lot of tough times yeah. there with, with, with Rich Rod in particular. So we've seen all those quote unquote mega powers struggle Florida, USC, Texas, Oklahoma with John Blake and Gary Gibbs. So it happens to everybody. But again, those real blue bloods, it, it is more rare, obviously. Any reaction on your part or from the Big Ten office uh, about the firing of uh, our offensive coordinator, Garrick McGee? Yeah, I, I was going to ask you guys what the buzz is there um, as far as what direction they may go. Uh, it didn't create much of a, of a ripple. Um, I can't say it's a huge surprise. I thought maybe Lovey was, would be a little bit loyal, more loyal. <laughs> so, again, after two years, McGee's out. But um, sometimes you have to do something – to show you're trying to get better. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what, who they hire and maybe what direction they go with that offense. I can't imagine they're going to hire somebody who's going to do anything really super exotic, are they? 
Well, I wouldn't think so, but we, we keep hearing uh, talk about uh, because we don't know who else is under consideration. Ron Turner's name keeps coming up. Huh. And uh, Ron, of course, coached under Lovey at Chicago. And uh, Ron was the name, uh, was the one who recommended Lovey for the job when Josh Whitman uh, talked to him. So, uh, you know, there is a kind of a connection there. And Ron is a good offensive uh, play caller, I think. But, uh, that would be someone like that would be perfect. Um, that's what I think. Hide. I think a lot yeah. of people will up, be upset because he's too old, or or he was here before and didn't win. You know, he was here before and didn't win because he didn't recruit well. Last Big Ten champion. Uh, yeah, I remember that team in two thousand one. That was a fun team that played. I think LSU in the Sugar Bowl that year. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, uh, you can't hire a thirty-two-year-old hotshot coordinator at this point to love him. You've got to hire somebody who has proven chops. Um, this is condition critical. We all know that for Illinois. Progress has to be made, so whoever you hire has to be a sage coordinator. And, again, Turner's resume speaks for itself. Tom Deanhart joining us for just a couple more minutes. Tom, in, in terms of you know the offensive line being so young uh, that impacts everything else with the offense, does it – for this first year, is it – can the offense coordinator, whoever it is, even be successful on the offensive side of the football because the offensive line is going to be so young, started three true freshmen and yeah, a redshirt no. freshman? Mm. Can the offense be successful this year because the quarterback's going to be really young as well? Yeah, I mean, Luke Buckus, right? He's got a – he may be the most uh, important offensive assistant coach on, on a lot of respects. We all know, guys, um, you can have all the fancy receivers you want, the five-star quarterbacks. If you can't block or protect up front, it doesn't matter. So you're right. Um, I'd like to think, you know, that youth was fed a lot of, uh, you know, about, I should say baptism by fire, fed a lot of playing time as a youngster. That, that maybe that's going to pay off. I think that's the hope of the coaches, certainly. Um, they suffered their growing pains in 2017. And they got to grow up in 2018, so I think that's 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 the line of thinking. Um, we'll see what happens to quarterbacks. Certainly, with a guy like Cam Thomas, uh, you, you like you like the potential. Some of those young guys, I guess. Again, the question remains: Can they take that proverbial next step next year? Because again, um, nobody wants to put a number on it, but uh, you, you can't go two and ten again. Um, I haven't looked at the schedule yet, but you'd like to at least be able to cobble out maybe a four and eight, five and seven type of a season for Illinois. Yeah, I think that's uh, a realistic expectation for next season, trying to get to four or five wins, and more would be great for the program. I think 2019, though, is the is the season yeah. uh, where you got to you have to see a bowl game to see some su- sustained success from that point forward. I haven't seen the schedule yet to see what the non-conference looks like, but again, you're right. 2018, you like to get a couple Big Ten wins, double your overall wins, and then, like you said, maybe 19 make that push toward the postseason. Well, Tom, we've got Kent State in Western Illinois, yeah, right? Yeah, I believe so. It's correct. Uh, South, uh, yeah. South Florida. And we don't oh, have South Ohio. South Florida's coming up there. Yeah, that'll be a tough one. And we don't have Ohio State on the schedule. Nope. <laughs> That's, <laughs> so, <laughs> That's always good. You always check. It's the first time you you schedule, you always run your finger down looking for Ohio State and Penn State usually. Yep. Well, Tom, thanks so much for your time this morning. Happy New Year. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Stay warm, fellas. Thanks for having Listen. me. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye. Thanks, Tom. That is Tom Deanhart. Give him a follow on Twitter at BTN Tom Deanhart, uh, senior writer for BigTenNetwork.com. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, wrap up the show. This is Saturday Sports Talk on DWS.
It's later today for Fighting Illini Basketball, the non-conference regular season finale. It's Illinois and Grand Canyon. We'll have it for you at 3. Scott Beatty with Illini Game Day at 1.30. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. I'm Michael Kaiser. He's Lauren Tate. Thanks for joining us. 9 degrees at 10.56, just a few minutes left in today's show. Thanks for uh, to Tom Deanhart for joining us and Derek Piper as well. Uh, Lauren, before we uh, close the show on us, uh, a preview of a line basketball game against Grand Canyon this afternoon, I um, wonder if uh, you're a long-lost relative of Brett Bielema or not. Uh, I'm sure we all want to be. Uh, I don't think I'd it's just been like to have a fraction of what he's going to. Yeah, a re- fraction would do us all pretty good. We all could retire in, in, a, in a nice place somewhere in a tropical island. Uh, his buyout has been set at $15.4 million. He was fired the last month, had three years left on his deal. I don't think that's been signed yet, but it's been set at $15.4 million. That's just an incredible number to not be at Arkansas. And there's, we know that there's like 20 different coaches changed and a lot of that stuff going on. Oh, there's the buyouts for this year that's for the one coaches. That's the bigger ones, though. Well, that's easily one of the bigger ones. But there's a lot of high buyouts for college football coaches uh, this season. Well, by funny. the way, uh, uh, Derek McGee gets a full year, and I. And yeah. The last we heard, the last we heard, he was making six fifty, and I, I don't know. I, that was the first year. I don't know what he made the second year, but uh, he's got another year at that income, and he told me that had he stayed another year and got fired, he wouldn't have had the year. Uh, he wouldn't have had that income. Yeah, his contract would so have been. So he's got it. He's got it, um, and he he thinks it's a little late to get a job now because. Where are you going to get a job this time of year? All the all the coaching, most of the coaching situation have been uh, filled. Yeah, it, it it is a difficult time because the season has been over for about a month. The regular season, anyway, has been so, and it's going to be difficult because uh, you know, most of the new coaches have, have already named their assistants. Yep, yep. Scott Frostick's whole staff from UCF. Yeah. Well, any final thoughts on the uh, Grand Canyon game this afternoon? Final dangerous line? game. Yeah, it's I a agree. Dangerous game. They, they, their guard play. Illinois, when they can stop opposing guards, they're going to have success, but I don't know whether you can stop these guys or not. Right now, this season so far, Joshua. They're better, they're better than our fans think they are. Yeah, it's just because Grand Canyon, you may never have heard anything but the actual Grand Canyon. Uh, Joshua Braun averages 14.1 a game. We talked about it earlier in the show. Casey Benson, uh, transferred from Oregon, averages 10.5 a game. Vernon averages 7.2 boards a game. Uh, so they're, Illinois will have their hands full today. And like Derek just said, and you know, 25 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago, if they get hot, from three, because they shoot a lot of threes just like their coach did back in his NBA days. Illinois could be in trouble if they get hot because this Grand Canyon, 10-4 and on the season. Three-point shots can decide a lot of games. They do. Like most of them. Well, look at uh, Trent Frazier. You know, Mizzou was kind of trying to close the gap a little bit on Saturday in the first half, and Trent Frazier hit two daggers right before the half and blew the game open. Now Missouri obviously came back. Thanks again to uh, Tom Deanhart and Derek Piper for joining us on the show today. Thanks for your phone calls and your text as well. Most of all, thanks for listening. Lauren Tate, thanks so much, and Happy New Year, and have a good weekend. Same to you. Thank you, sir. And uh, Fighting Illini Game Day comes up at 1.30 this afternoon with Scott Beatty. Tip off with Brian and Doug at 3 o'clock. Have a great and safe weekend, everybody.